the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on this beautiful Saturday, May 25th. 2019. It's uh, I can't believe how fast this year is running along. Um, but uh, at any rate, we're talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer. Welcome to the show, my friends. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of guests uh, who are going to be um, visiting with us and in interviews in a little while. Uh, Mr. Jason Jones, who's been on before. Jason is a uh, private contractor as well as a um, uh, a, an authority, an expert on uh, the issue of uh, border security. Uh, Dave, uh, uh, Jason has worked with the um, Texas Department of Public Safety on border issues, and he's going to be chatting with us, giving us an update of what's happening with criminal activities on the border. Also, we've got um, Mr. Dave Ray from FAIR, uh, the Federation uh, uh, of Americans for Immigration Reform. And uh, Dave is going to be chatting with us, giving us an update of what's happening in Washington, specifically uh, with uh, with uh, immigration issues uh, on legislation and uh, what Trump is doing or attempting to do uh, with policy changes. So um, those two individuals, Jason Jones and Dave Ray, will be with us. We're also going to be chatting, uh, of course, as usual, giving uh, an update of what uh, is happening in illegal immigration as far as uh, uh, any kind of news that's been happening. And, uh, of course, we're going to be chatting a little bit uh, as how it uh, impacts on the Hispanic community. We always love to talk about that, how um, the liberal media and the uh, Democrats love to spin and uh, use uh, illegal immigration uh, like it's some kind of holy grail for the uh, Hispanic community. And, uh, you know, again, I, I you know, I, I, I'm not sure exactly what a Hispanic is. Is that a Puerto Rican? Is that a Cuban? Hmm. Is that a, a Mexican that just crossed the border? Is it a Mexican? Is it an American of Mexican descent who's been here for generations? I mean, I, I'm not sure what, what that is. But at any rate, we'll chat a little bit about that. But let's start off. Let's start off our show by talking about I, I really want to talk about this situation that occurred this past week. I think it was either Thursday or Wednesday, I'm not sure which date it was. But uh, at any rate, Trump was going to have, President Trump was going to have a meeting with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer regarding the issue of infrastructure, how to fund infrastructure, how to make some changes, how to uh, get it going, what is needed, et cetera, et cetera. Well, no, he was going to meet, uh, of course, around 10 o'clock their time or so, but of course, uh, you know, the Democrats being the Democrats could not miss an opportunity to stand before the uh, fake news, before the media, and blast the president. So that's what exactly what Nancy Pelosi did. She went and opened her mouth. And uh, before the meeting, this was before she went over to see the president, she made the comment that um, he was uh, uh, hiding something, that he was... Uh, in collusion with the Russians, that he was hiding something from, from the uh, from Congress, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, the whole the whole collusion argument once again. And when she got over there, over to the um, meeting with Mr. Trump at the White House, he canceled it. He told him, "Nope, we're not going to put up with this anymore." And you know, of course, the Democrats were outraged, and the media was too. You know, they all fainted and screamed, "How dare he!" Uh, uh, have a tantrum, as they called it. 
But let me let me give you another spin on this. Let me give you another my view on this whole situation. President Trump is in a an abusive relationship with Congress. Yes, he is in an abusive relationship with Congress. Now, an abusive relationship can be a physical one, can be a verbal one, can be an emotional one, and it certainly can be an economic and political one. And in this case, President Trump is in an, an abusive relationship with the Democrats and the liberal media, the press, the entertainment, Saturday Night Live, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the talk show hosts at night. You know, on Wednesday, it was on Wednesday, he walked out of the meeting uh, with, uh, with Pelosi and Schumer because, because they had verbally attacked him again before the meeting. Now, this meeting was supposed to be a meeting of the minds, a meeting to try to figure out how to work together. I mean, you know, picture this, my friends. A person who is in a relationship with another person gets home and beats them and then later wants to make love to them. Picture that. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine the abused person being you. You are beaten up, and then later the abuser wants to be friends, wants to be lovers, wants to make, you know, whoopee with you. I mean, it, 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 it defies logic. Like all physical abusers, like all abusers, period, or bullies, whichever one you want to call them, Democrats in the liberal media demand that Trump respect them, that Trump fear them while they are being abusive to him. They make these outrageous claims while they investigate him or claim to investigate him, while calling him a racist and a sexist, while they report his every comment and action with a biased and antagonistic slant. Then they want him to be friendly to them. You know, the, uh, the, the media wants him to attend their little, their annual media event, their big dinner. Like nothing is going on, like everything is fine, you know? Like abusers and bullies, they refuse to hear the truth about themselves, but instead become defensive and double down on their attacks and their abuse. President Trump represents the people who elected him, and Pelosi and Schumer attack it. Uh, their, their attacks and their innuendos are every bit as bad as when a leftist or a progressive or whatever you want to call them, when they attack a Trump supporter for wearing a MAGA hat in public. There's no reason for him or his supporters to tolerate this con- these constant attacks. And then re- we're supposed to reward their bad behavior with respect? Come on, folks. Neither President Trump nor any American citizen should have to endure any abuse or bullying for any reason, particularly because of their political or in some cases religious, like in the case of of Chick-fil-A, their religious views. No, we shouldn't have to, my friends. We should not have to. It's obvious that the Democrats, that the liberal media, do not want to respect or work with President Trump. They do not want to, to respect Trump supporters, taxpayers, or citizens for that much. They don't. They just see us like an ATM. You know, they take our money and then they're going to do what they can because they know what's best. Complaining about this abuse, you know, it, it's not uh, about Trump or, or, or his supporters developing thick skin for criticism. It's not about that. It's not about developing thick skin for criticism because that's exactly what you immediately hear. Oh, you're supposed to have thick skin. Well, what about the snowflakes? What about the snowflakes that get scared or offended by a MAGA hat. Huh? What about that? This issue, my friends, is about respect. That's what it's about. It's about respect. Democrats and the liberal media, they are undermining the election that took place because they lost it. They are undermining. They have been upset because they lost, because Hillary lost the election to, uh, to Trump. And they've been looking for all sorts of excuses to delegitimize Trump, whether it's collusion with the uh, with the Russians, or or that 
electoral college is not fair or that, you know, somehow he is not worthy, that Trump is not worthy of being a, a president or or that even worse, that his supporters are rubes are dummies are hicks. Yeah. The election is delegitimized. You know, you've got Stacey Abrams from Georgia, the, the one who lost her, her, her uh, campaign for uh, Georgia governor. She still hasn't surrendered. She still has not. Given, she is running around telling everyone that the that, that the uh, election in Georgia was was faulty, that that she should have won. I mean, these people, these Democrats, my friends, are loony. They have lost it. And all they are doing is undermining. They are they're undermining the election process. I mean, if you're going to doubt every election, my friends, then what's the point of having them? You know, then we can just be like like any dictatorship where you have a, a small group of elitist. They tell us what's best. So, again, my friends, this my complaint, my comments are not about developing thick skin. It's about respect. Democrats and the liberal media do not have respect for opposing views. Both President Trump and conservative citizens need to draw the line on this abuse and this abusive relationship with Democrats. We need to draw the line because it's very simple, my friends. Where there is no mutual respect, there is no peace or progress. Let me repeat that again. Where there is no mutual respect, where both parties don't respect one another, then there is no peace and no progress. And that's exactly what we've got at this point, my friends, in America. We've got one side that refuses, refuses to accept a, a, an election, a constitutional election. They refuse to accept a leader. And certainly they refuse to accept a different point of view, i.e. us, conservatives. They, whether it's regarding Chick-fil-A, whether it's regarding uh, opposition to, uh, uh, to scandals that we want uh, investigated, whatever it is, they are in opposition to it. My friends, we have a real problem in America, and it's about the mutual respect that is not granted to us because of our opposing view by the Democrats, by the liberal media. That's what it's all about. We'll be right back with more of the program, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP 930 AM radio. Call your friends, tell them we're on. We'll be right back. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. All right, folks, welcome once again. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we have uh, a special guest who's been on with us before from uh, the Federation for uh, American Immigration Reform, FAIR, uh, out of D.C. And I reached out to uh, Dave Rach so that uh, we could chat a little bit about um, the latest report uh, that uh, FAIR has put out, particularly with all the craziness that's going on in uh in, in in at the border and in immigration. So welcome to the show, Dave. How you doing in Washington? Doing great. Great to be with you again, my friend. Well, all right. So tell us, tell us about the latest report uh, and uh, what are the some of the things, some of the conclusions, some of the things that Fair is seeing. Right. Well, first of all, just for those of your audience who don't know, Fair is the nation's uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform, or the nation's oldest and largest immigration watchdog group. We're based right on Capitol Hill in the heart of the swamp uh, in 
the nation's capital of Washington, D.C., and we are uh, in our 40-year anniversary this year. So we've been fighting the good fight and trying to crack down on illegal immigration and reform legal immigration to the national interest. So uh, our recent immigration report, which is a monthly uh, newsletter that we send out to our members, the lead story was on the historic apprehensions at the border. Actually, March and April border apprehensions exceeded 100,000 people. This is the first time this has happened since 2007. Give that number one more time. It's it's the actual number was 103,492 for uh, April. Wow. That just to put that into perspective, March apprehensions were a 105 percent increase over March of 2018. So the numbers are soaring. If May exceeds 100,000, and it looks very well like it will, this will be the first time this we've had this number of apprehensions since 2006. So the Border Patrol has been crystal clear that there is a humanitarian and public safety crisis at the border, and there looks like there is no sign that this is abating. In fact, as we move into summer, we expect apprehensions to continue to climb if history repeats itself. Amazing. You know, it, it, it uh, you know, I, I, I get down to the border every now and then here and here since I'm in San Antonio. And, um, you know, the, the Border Patrol is just stretched thin, just completely stretched thin. I mean, they're so busy changing diapers and giving formula and taking care of kids that, uh, I mean, it's obvious that, um, you know, folks are getting in through other other ways. Do we see any kind of action from, I mean, since you're in D.C., do you see any kind of action from Congress on, on addressing this problem? Well, unfortunately, there hasn't been any signal from the Democrats that they are really acknowledging that a crisis exists, uh, which is, is, is a serious problem given the fact that the Border Patrol says, you know, the wheels are coming off the cart and that they are stretched beyond uh, their ability to really handle the influx. Uh, there was a proposal that was put out by the president last week. Now, this is a very uh, all-encompassing proposal, which covers both legal and illegal immigration. We could talk about it if you'd like. Yes, please. The, the specific, well, the, there's really four points to the plan. The first part would be a, we would change our, our current selection for legal immigration away from distant family relative-based immigration, where, you know, aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and their kids and so on, to a more merit-based immigration system, whereby people would be selected based on certain levels of job skills, education level, lingu- English language ability, things like this that would help determine whether or not any given immigrant would be able to support themselves and and better themselves in the United States. Certainly, much better way of selecting somebody than the fact that they may have a distant relative here in the country. So so we call the Build America visa, and it would pivot the United States. It would modernize our immigrant selection system to mirror more of the systems of Canada and Australia who have moved to this type of selection system in the past. Uh, But the plan would also address border security. It would call for 400 new miles of border wall by the end of 2020, and it actually permits private donations to help fund the border border wall construction. It would also increase technology on our ports of entry, as as we've been told, uh, you know, without the many of the drugs are actually coming in through legal ports of entry and are simply being missed because the uh, Customs and Border Patrol are apprehended by what's going on away from the legal ports of entry. The third thing it would do is close asylum loopholes. And these are the loopholes that have really been the rocket fuel behind the uh, rush to the border that we've seen in the last several years. I mean, anyone who's heard the, the, the term catch and release, these are people who have fled to the United States claiming political asylum with really no intention of actually making a real political asylum claim, but simply by saying those words, they start a legal process. And the backlog of cases is so lengthy, it's it's nearly a million cases. So anybody who, who arrives today and asks for political asylum, they have a million cases ahead of them. And 
their wait for an actual hearing could be as long as one to two years, meaning that they are caught, and then especially if they have a child with them, are released within 20 days. So that's the catch and release program that the public's been hearing about, and this is really at the heart of what our problem is right now. Unlike the old days when uh, illegal aliens we caught were actually trying to sneak into the country, they were largely men coming in from Mexico to work, uh, now we have people who are posing as families, and they are trying to get into the United States. They're not trying to avoid the Border Patrol. They run to the Border Patrol because they want to make an asylum claim. And the minute that they do, uh, because of the detention facilities are so overwhelmed, some of them were being released on the spot. Others were being held for a few days. But like I said, if you have a child with you, that ensures that you can't be held more than 20 days. Wow. Final part of the plan uh, that the president has has put forward would address visa overstays. And this really would address uh, a lot of the folks that were involved in the 9-11 terrorist attacks actually came in on legal immigrant visas or on student visas and then never went home. So this would implement a biometric entry-exit system so we would know who's into the country and if they left on time, and if not, uh, who we need to be aware is here. So it's kind of a four-pronged plan. It had some shortcomings in it, but by and large, it is a is a vehicle for moving forward. Uh, the, the biggest problem with the plan we saw was the lack of mandatory E-Verify, which let's face it, once you get in the country, if you're here illegally, without E-Verify, which is the electronic-based system for uh, verifying whether or not a person can hold a job legally in the United States, uh, it's impossible sometimes to know whether or not somebody's documents are actually valid. And we were also hoping the president would address some modest reductions in immigration. Immigration levels have been at a historic high, and we were hoping the president would start bringing the numbers back to historic levels, but that didn't happen. But that's that's a, a basic overview of uh, what the president rolled out last week to address the current crisis and the country's future moving forward. Now, the, this is a proposal from the White House. This is uh, is this proposed legislation, or is this pro- a policy change that he's going to be doing within his administration? This is a big picture proposal. How it will proceed legislatively is anyone's guess. I can tell you that a couple days before the president made his proposal, and the president actually mentioned this in his proposal, Senator Lindsey Graham rolled out what we call a skinny bill, which is just basic uh, an asylum reform bill. It would specifically address the asylum crisis at the border and what, what he says he wants to go through normal process and have hearings and so on. The question is, though, what price do the, will the Democrats want for asylum reform? And that's really kind of what a lot of folks are nervous about because it's probably going to be some form of an amnesty. And as I would imagine many of your listeners would already know, you don't really regain control of the borders by talking about granting amnesties. That's exactly right. Oh, so it's kind of like trying to put out a fire with gasoline. That's right. It ends that- up blowing up in your face and searing your eyebrows off. And so uh, we're hoping, but we don't know what the Democrats are going to propose. They've been silent thus far, but clearly without asylum reform quickly, and you know nothing happens that quickly in, in Washington, but without asylum reform soon, uh, the Border Patrol is just going to continue to see these, these numbers soaring uh, through summer. I'm amazing. I mean, yes, it's, you know, uh, I, I have seen, you know, I remember when I worked with, with immigration that, you know, the, the, the uh, illegal aliens used to run away from us. But, yeah. uh, you know, now, now, now you. exactly. To me, I, you know, it's shocking. And word is out, really, unfortunately. We were in El Paso just a couple weeks ago, and the drug cartels, know that the Border Patrol is stretched beyond its capacity. And so when there's large numbers of illegal immigrants coming over one part of the border, it, they know that the other parts of the border aren't being guarded and that they can move drugs over that part. I mean, I don't know if you had uh, heard in the national news, it just so happened to coincide with the morning that my colleague Ira Melman and I were in El Paso in a downtown hotel doing a live radio shows all morning. And at a actually at a busy intersection right at the break of uh, crack of dawn in downtown El Paso, a manhole cover popped up 
and about 110 illegal immigrants poured out into the streets of downtown El Paso. That's kind of a great little vignette to give you an idea of what the border is like and how people are are, are, are literally flooding into the country. Amazing. It is out of control. Yep. Uh, once again, Dave, uh, as we as we conclude, tell the folks how the, they can uh, read more about FAIR and, and uh, follow uh, the immigration crisis uh, as you guys report it. Yeah, well, well, as I said, FAIR is the nation's oldest and largest immigration reform organization. We have about 2 million members and supporters across the country. You can find us online at fairus.org, uh, on Facebook at Federation for American Immigration Reform, or on Twitter at hashtag Fair Immigration. Give us a look. We uh, put out uh, reports covering the, the full gamut of immigration-related issues. We are professionals. We've been around for 40 years. We are a major source uh, to the news media and to politicians on Capitol Hill, and we encourage you to join our organization and become part of the immigration reform movement. Excellent. Um, be sure to give Dan Stein my uh, my regards. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, this, has, uh, this has been Dave Ray from FAIR uh, talking to us, and uh, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio in San Antonio, The Answer. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And uh, we've got a good friend of ours again, once again, Mr. Jason Jones uh, out of Austin. And uh, Jason uh, is a uh, a, a well-renowned uh, criminologist and, um, and researcher. And uh, we wanted to get him back on here because we've been watching uh, this continuous flow of... Uh, of uh, the, well, the caravans. There's no other way of calling it. We wanted to get Jason on here and tell us what's been going on from his uh, perspective and his study uh, in in law enforcement. What is going on, uh, Jason? Welcome to the show. Uh, tell us what are you watching? What what are the latest happenings that you see ha- uh, with the border and uh, the the influx of uh, criminals coming in? Yeah, George, it's good to be with you, and thanks for the opportunity to get the word out and talk to the folks. Now that I'm retired from law enforcement, everything I'm doing now is about trying to get the word out to the people about what is happening at the border and how it directly affects them. And, you know, as we, you and I were talking about just a few minutes ago, I am extremely concerned about the numbers of people that we're seeing. Some of the background of what the cartels are doing with these uh, caravaners moving through Mexico into the United States and how that's going to affect the folks. So really kind of just to catch them up a little bit, we've got three main problems affecting the southwest border right now. We've got the policy issue. We've got a humanitarian issue. But we've also got an operational issue, and that operational issue is one that we, we really need to focus on and talk about because this is where the influx of people are coming in. We can't affect policy. We've already elected our, our leaders, but Congress is not taking action. So what is happening in New Mexico specifically um, is a compounding problem. We have seen since January where the caravaners have left Rio Grande Valley in South Texas, and they're now moving west, and they're crossing um, into El Paso sector. Now, that affects all of New Mexico, or most of New Mexico takes up the El Paso sector for Border Patrol. And the percentages are just unbelievable. Uh, you know, just last month we had over 109,000 people apprehended along our southwest border. How many? In the last three months, 286,000 people. 286,000. Good night. It is unbelievable numbers. And, you know, to kind of put that in perspective a little bit, you know, that's the population of the city of Orlando, Florida. Huh. I mean, that's a lot of folks. So what, what really concerns me right now is how this affects the American people, and here's why. We have a couple of things happening. In New Mexico, the governor has pulled out the National Guard, so they are no longer supporting Border Patrol efforts down there. In addition to that, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, as a result of the humanitarian effort, and for good reasons to help the children and and family units crossing, they have shut down their interior checkpoints and have moved Border Patrol to the border to help fill that gap, and that's understandable. 
But the problem is that now drugs are just flowing into the country. I was talking to a Sinaloa cartel member the other day, and their orders are to send as much narcotics across into the U.S. as they can right now. So we are being flooded with narcotics into the country. Now, now let me make sure that the folks understand how this happens. That while the uh, Border Patrol folks, how, how as the agents are taking care of the families and kids in processing them, obviously that's less manpower on the line, on the front line at the border, to watch for these cartels to cross, correct? That's exactly right. And Commissioner McLean came out, who's now you know the acting DHS secretary, he came out the other day and said that the average Border Patrol agent is spending 40%, or I'm sorry, 60% of his time on enforcement efforts, meaning that the other 40% is dedicated to humanitarian efforts, you know, dealing with family, processing family, and, uh, you know, handing out diapers and formula for children. Amazing. So, it, so we've got major gaps at our border, and that's why we're seeing a lot of narcotics being pushed through. Now, uh, you know, if, as if that wasn't bad enough, we have a compounding issue where the people that are crossing, you know, a lot of them are from uh, Central and South America. So you've got a lot of Hondurans, you've got a lot of Guatemalans. Many of these people, George, don't have the money to pay the peso or the tax to the cartel. Which is the question that, that, that a lot of the, our folks are always asking, you know, how are these people paying the cartels to get across? Explain to yeah. us. Yeah, absolutely. And usually they would pay between $3,000 to $6,000, depending upon where at our border you cross. And you, you pay as you basically. Uh, and because of the dangers in Mexico, that's what caused these caravans to really kind of form up in the first place, because you, you have safety in, in numbers. And if we were sitting across from them right now and we were talking to them down in uh, Mexico City, for example, one of the very first things they would ask you is, is you know, what are you hearing up north? What's the... What's the safety issue? And, and with the violence that has erupted in Tamaulipas, the state of Tamaulipas, which covers you know major cities like Nuevo Laredo, uh, Reynosa, and Matamoros, that has pushed these caravanners further west. So they don't have the money, unfortunately, to pay the, the piso to the, to the cartels. So what they're doing instead is the cartels are taking what we call their personal identifying information – all of their family's information, all of their cell phone information, where they're going in the, in the United States. And then once these folks are released through the plaza, they cross into the United States and report to Border Patrol. Once they're released from immigration into our country, the next thing we're seeing now, and we've not seen this before near to these levels, is they're calling back to the cartel and saying, okay, now I owe you. What do you want me to do next? Wow. I, and I got to tell you, George, that right there, that is where I am extremely concerned and really frustrated with our own government as to why they are not pushing this information out to the American people. Because in the next 18 to 24 months, we're going to see human trafficking at levels we've never seen. Well, so it's very frustrating. Yeah, also also the fact of the matter is it's, it's going to create problems for local law enforcement as we've got a network of folks who are connected to the cartels, correct? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to see problems across the country at every level, local, state, and federal. And I also get frustrated because we know that collaboration works. And so this is a leadership issue. While we may not be able to stop the policy problems, you know, that's what Congress is there for, and, and they're failing us on both sides of the aisle. But we can be sending other federal agencies to the border and should have been months ago. Now, I have to tell you, and this is some good news for the folks listening, that two days ago, Commissioner McLean announced that they were going to be sending TSA agents, hundreds of them, to the border to support Border Patrol operations. That's fantastic. But that is just a tip of what needs to be happening. We need a lot more military personnel sent down there. We need to be sending FBI DEA and many other federal agencies to support them at the southwest border and we need to do it now not later tell us tell us again because you know you've worked you worked in the state with the state public uh, safety office what could our state what could Texas be doing to support efforts at the border more sure and this is this is a, that's a great question and I think especially the people in Texas will be happy to know that the governor, governor Abbott's office, along with the Texas Department of Public Safety, uh, Texas uh, Parks and Wildlife Service, 
has been sending agents to the border since 2009 to support Border Patrol operations. So this is something that Texas has been doing for over a decade now and has has become very good at supporting uh, these operations down in Rio Grande Valley where we've seen this for some time. But where my frustration comes from is why is it that the state of Texas can do this and why federal agencies and our federal government haven't been doing it? We know that it works. It doesn't take Congress to act. It just takes leadership to say, we're going to send so many FBI agents, we're going to send so many DEA, and they're going to stay a week to two week-long operations to help Border Patrol and hold the line. Because what happens at our southwest border affects the entire nation. Yep. That's very, very true. And that's, you know, that's a very adequate question. I mean, why can't we send federal agencies? Why can't they detail people to uh, to the border? Plus the fact, you know, we've got to ask, you know, is Arizona, is the state of Arizona doing what uh, the state of Texas is doing? We know definitely California isn't. And uh, now we know that uh, New Mexico isn't. So that, you know, this makes us very, very vulnerable in that aspect of it, correct? It, it absolutely does. And You know, so as this migration happens, right, as this starts, the other frustrating part of this is that we don't have a system that's going to allow law enforcement to watch the migration of narcotics and the migration of human trafficking over the next 24 months. Tell us about that coordination that's needed. Tell us about that. And here's what I mean by that. We, We in this country, we use a system that was created in 1929 and implemented in 1934. That system is known as the Uniform Crime Report. It captures, you know, crimes such as murder, manslaughter, forcible rape, robbery, aggravated robbery, burglary, theft. And for the folks listening, you think, well, that kind of covers most of the crimes. But when you talk about transnational crimes and we talk about 21st century crimes, which is what our nation and other nations around the world are dealing with in the 21st century, this system doesn't capture it. So everything you and I have talked about in the last, you know, 20 minutes or so is not captured, and and let's go through some of that, directly linked to transnational crime. We've got public corruption, uh, kidnapping, extortions, drug trafficking. I mean, George, our country has been fighting the drug war for, what, 50 years, and to this day, 18,000 law enforcement agencies can't tell the American people how much narcotics are seized between all of them on a yearly basis. So we really don't know what's going up or down. Human trafficking, you know, we've been hearing about human trafficking now for the last decade, but yet we don't have a system that captures that. Money laundering, weapon seizures, cyber crimes. I mean, I could go on. The Uniform Crime Report doesn't capture it. So as these crimes migrate again across the country, our nation is, you know, the people up north now are are familiar with the sex part of the human trafficking, but a lot of people don't realize that with human trafficking, you also have indentured servitude. And you also have labor trafficking. Those two have really not taken a hold throughout the country. Yes, we've seen the sex uh, trafficking part of it, but the other two have not. What I fear is that labor trafficking we've been seeing in Texas now, and it's been on, on the rise in the last two years, I now feel with, or fear with this large group of people that have crossed that we're going to see you know, the rest of this come on board throughout the country with indentured servitude. You know, really, we're talking slavery here is what we're talking about. So we've got some real challenges moving forward. And I appreciate you letting me talk today to try to explain to the folks is that what happens at the border affects the nation. And when we see these major tripwires, when we see these major failures like this, it's important to get the word out to the American people, not just from one law enforcement agency to the other, so that our citizens and groups that are doing some incredible work um, in the anti-human trafficking effort can start to prepare for what is coming. Right. We're going we're gonna to close up here real quick. Um, tell the folks, Jason, how they can uh, follow up reading about you and, um, and uh, the stuff that you're writing about, how they can um, follow up on your, on your blogs or, or website. Yeah, sure. I appreciate that. Uh, you can find me at jasonjones.com. That's J-A-E-S-O-N-Jones.com. Great. Folks, it's been Jason Jones with George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer in San Antonio. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website 
elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930, The Answer, here in San Antonio. Let's uh, let's now go to, uh, in our concluding part of our show today, uh, let's go to uh, some uh, inf- uh, news regarding the, um, uh, some general news regarding the uh, uh, illegal immigration problem, the border crisis. Uh, and I've split it into three parts because it, it's very, very interesting how this is all playing out in American politics and in, uh, in the media. First of all, first of all, sadly, there has been a sixth, a sixth child that uh, has died, that has been, been reported, should I say, that died in custody of the uh, Border Patrol of the U.S. government. Apparently, this past uh, Wednesday, it was reported that uh, this child had died back last year in September, but apparently it had not been reported and it had not been uh, widely known. And uh, when this report came out, it made number six, number six since sep- last September of uh, the illegal ch- alien children that has passed away. And, uh, you know, these are tragedies, my friend. This one was uh, this one that occurred uh, was a 10 year old girl from South from El Salvador uh, who died uh, September 29th. Apparently uh, she had been picked up. She had been picked up in uh, in Brownsville, I believe it is, in the south uh, in, in the south tip of Texas. She had been picked up um, uh, on March 4th, 2018, and she was already sick. Uh, She was already sick. She apparently was transferred to uh, Nebraska, to Omaha, to be closer to her parents uh, or relatives. But uh, on September 29th of last year, at Children's Hospital in Omaha, she passed away. And uh, in eight months, that's number six in the past eight months. Uh, Most recently, this past Monday, May 20th, uh, a 16-year-old Guatemalan boy died uh, while in U.S. custody, and uh, also in Hidalgo, Texas, in uh, in, this, in the McAllen uh, Brownsville uh, area down here in in in, in, uh, in Texas. Although it's obvious, my friends, that the government has done what it can to uh, provide m- proper medical attention to these kids. It was, uh, nor is it ever going to be enough for the Democrats and the liberals because they are blaming, they're absolutely having an emotional meltdown and blaming President Trump and the immigration policies. You know, the problem is, my friends, that the entire border crisis is the fault of these, of these liberals, of these Democrats and some Republicans who are excusing and rewarding illegal immigration. And the children are the victims. The children are the victims. Rather than criticizing the U.S. and Trump for the death of these kids, the Democrats, what they need to do, my friends, what they need to do is that they need they should be questioning uh, how they died. Uh, What about the ones that died traveling to the United States to enter illegally? You know, also because of loopholes in the immigration law, you know, this this releasing and unifying families, children are being used as the pawns in this whole game they are uh in the past eight months my friends five other deaths of of uh children uh all of them from guatemala have been reported all of them from guatemala except for this one from el salvador they're all from central america and they're all coming to claim asylum they're all traveling with so-called families we've got to stop allowing families to enter the united states my friends and to ask for asylum that should happen before they get here on top of that all immigrants not just illegal ones that are caught but all all immigrants should be given some kind of medical exam before they enter the united states this child's death my friends it's tragic but it's not the fault of the american taxpayer nor the immigration policy it is the fault of parents callous parents the national leaders of guatemala and el salvador and the criminals who helped them to cross the border illegally those are the people who should be held responsible for the tragic deaths of these kids that, that's happening because they are being used as pawns. Now, now let, let's talk about this, the, the third, the second part of this whole situation. 
where the media has suddenly unleashed its attacks on the Border Patrol. Because, you know, the past few weeks, the Border Patrol has been shown that they are exhausted, that they are wiped out from, the, uh, from, from, from all of the work that they're having to do. Well, suddenly, all of a sudden, the media is turning on them because of the deaths of these kids, as well as there was one instance, one incident that was reported, one incident that was reported in the Tucson sector uh, that happened back in t- December 2017, two years ago, almost two years ago, where a uh, Border Patrol agent apparently wrote some disparaging, some disparaging comments about illegal aliens. Yep. And based on that, the media is now painting all of the Border Patrol as evil. And, of course, they're, they're you know, not only are, are, are they evil, but all these kids are dying while under their, their custody. So all of a sudden, there is an absolute unleashing of an attack and criticism of the Border Patrol. And, and you knew this was coming because you cannot have the Border Patrol being the bad, the, the good guys. They've got to be the bad guys. I mean, just like the police officers are all the bad guys. I mean, the same game plan that is played by Black Lives Matter and black activists who are anti-American, who are anti-police, who are anti-law and order, who are leftists, the same game plan is now being played, played out by leftists, Hispanic leftists, Hispanic liberals, whatever you want to call them, who are, who, who are attacking the Border Patrol, who are attacking the immigration policies. It's the same game plan. The police, the Border Patrol, they are the evil guys. ICE is evil for picking up illegal aliens. There was another story about a girl, a girl and, a, and another guy, a, a, a couple uh, uh, on, in separate incidents, incidents but a, a, a boy and a, girl, and, and a girl who were picked up, uh, who are DACA recipients, and they're on the verge of being deported. Now, what's not reported is that in both cases, they had violated the law. In both cases, they had violated a law, not just the immig- not that they were here illegally, not just that, but that they had, you know, one had a drunken driving record, been arrested twice, the other one shoplifting. I mean, you know, but other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, it's a good play, right? It was a good play. Other than that, I and mean, this is the ridiculousness of the media, of leftists, and, and of Democrats. They completely ignore everything for the benefit of their agenda. For the benefit of their agenda, these folks that have entered into the United States illegally, let me repeat that word, illegally, are, have broken a law. They are not supposed to be here, regardless of their age or circumstance. Regardless, they have broken the law, and they need to be removed. I mean, there's no two ways around it. Why? Because a nation must control its borders. Because a nation... A sovereign nation needs to, to, uh, to be able to determine who enters and who doesn't. Not to mention, a nation should know who's entering and who's not. Let me give you another example, the third part of this commentary. In Maryland, okay, in Maryland, Prince George's County, Maryland, a sanctuary county that has boasted protecting illegal aliens, they have admitted, they have admitted this past week, that, uh, that, that they ignored a, a, an ICE, an Immigration and Customs Enforcement detainer, and released an illegal alien who has now, con- now been arrested in connection with a murder and who is a member of the Salvadoran gang MS-13. This guy, Joel Ernesto Escobar, age 17, oh my gosh, he's a minor. He's been accused of attempted murder. Uh, but that conviction was uh, lessened down to comp- conspiracy to commit robbery back in, in 2018, and he was released. And he now has been implicated in this murder, uh, in killing somebody in April of 2019. Uh, Andrew Cephas, who is with the Prince George's County Corrections uh, Department, admitted, admitted after he had first lied and said no, they didn't release him, now he has admitted that they did ignore the detainer and did not release him to ICE. Imagine that. First he said he lied, and then now he's admitting it. It's incredible. Now, couple that with this one. 
In King County, Washington, which is Seattle, King County, there's another example of the rebellion against law and order and immigration enforcement. In that case, the executive, uh, uh, the, the county executive, his name is Dow Constantine, or Constantine, I'm not sure which one it is, uh, but he issued an order pressuring companies at the King County Airport, pressuring companies that fuel the, uh, the airplanes to stop servicing ICE flights, or they would lose their contracts with the county. Let me repeat that to you, my friends, how ridiculous this is. King County, Seattle, the county executive, Dow Constantine, has issued an order pressuring companies that fuel, that fuel the comp- that, that, that provide the fuel to planes to stop servicing the immigration, customs enforcement, the ICE flights, or they would lose their contracts with the county. Imagine that, my friends. Trace, Tanya Roman, who's uh, with the ICE, uh, who's a spokesman with the ICE, she, she uh, released a, a um, press release detailing that some of the illegal aliens that are reported on, that are deported on these charter flights, uh, you know, are wanted for human trafficking. One was a Mexican that was wanted for human trafficking. Another one was accused of rape and murder. And then uh, another one was a Guatemalan man that was uh, charged with torture and murder. And here, King County, the executive, Dow Constantine, is, do, is, is trying to get ICE uh, to uh, to stop their efforts uh, to impede their efforts of deporting these people. One thing is for a person, for an elected official, my friends, to hold personal political views. That's how they are, or why they are elected. But another one is when they pressure and bully businesses into complying with their beliefs. And then on top of that, my friends, to encourage the violation of federal laws. To, in, to, to absolutely encourage the f- violation of federal laws. Sanctuary jurisdictions, my friends, like Prince George's County, Maryland, and like King County, Washington. Their leaders must be held responsible and punished. Yes, punished. Otherwise, they're going to continue excusing, encouraging, and rewarding, and protecting illegal aliens. And among them, there's going to be criminals. Again, an illegal alien should not be in the United States, period let alone be a criminal. Don't we have enough criminals? My friends, thank you for joining us for our show today. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Join us again next week. Until then, keep the fires of freedom burning. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.